What's up, Fight Fan? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Tuesday, June 9th, 2020. This week's episode, Fight Island Jams. We're going to be talking about all the new developments with Fight Island, the location, the fight card, etc., etc. We'll talk about everything going on with certain star fighters in the UFC, going head-to-head, Also, of course, we will recap all the action from UFC 250 and look ahead to this Saturday's card, headlined by Jessica I taking on Cynthia Calvillo. What's up, guys? My name is Gabriel. You can find me on social media at Double G on TV. And I'm here with my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G. I am excited. We finally have the information we've been waiting for for so long. How do you feel? You know how they talk about the Native Americans have the dance for like rain and all that and all these uh, other, um, you know, just groups of people. Well, I feel like our island dance was Brett Okamoto with his little ukulele bringing us the news, you know, bringing the MMA gods to finally give us something I feel like was just positive after everything going on. So... I like it. I'm with it. Uh, Saturday was a sleeper of a good card. If you missed it, get on the highlights, get your ESPN Plus and wait for those uh, replays to come up because it was a sneaky good card. But yeah, Natalie, I don't think we can sit and talk about Amanda Nunes and all that when there's so much that happened this morning and this afternoon. So I figured let's start there. Uh, The top story, we have Fight Island. It is going to be taking place in Abu Dhabi on, you know, ironically, Yaz Island. It's weird to say that because of that meme. But um, look, it is the same place, essentially, where they held, um, messing up the number, I believe it was UC 242, headlined by Habib versus Poirier. And uh, quite bluntly, as per Dana White, they have... 10 miles on that island set up that is just going to be occupied by UFC personnel, nobody else. I, as I understand it, there is going to be a indoor arena. There's, you know, that's how they're doing it. But there is a, quote, training cage that is set up on the beach that I'm sure is going to be the subject of, you know, a million photos by the time we actually get there a month from now. So... Natalie, let's start. First of all, they announced the big fight card. I I know the elephant in the room is going to be who is not in the headliner, but let's talk about this. Kamaru Usman is coming back. He's going to be taking on Gilbert Burns, who we literally talked about just last week. Uh, Finally, uh, Max Holloway returns, taking on Alexander Volkanovsky, the rematch for the featherweight title. Jose Aldo, Peter Yan for the now vacant Bantamweight title. And if you didn't get enough of that in spare change, you have Rose Namajunas versus Jessica Andrade 2 and Paige Van Zandt taking on Amanda Hibas. That's just on pay-per-view. Apparently, they're going to give us an undercard to all of that. Uh, Natalie, those that is a freaking good card. That is starting to approach UFC 200 levels of stacked, if I may say so. Yeah, it is mega stacked. I mean, you got your three championships, which is always amazing. And, and you know, 
fingers crossed that that we get to actually have three title fights on on game day on fight day don't talk like that that's like you <laughs> hey, hey remember you jinxed it when you talked about our beloved lightweight title fight you're not I gonna did. you're not gonna do that on my show um i will but, get the um, schmo in here faster than you could say the pro <laughs> no go ahead uh so so uh yeah it's super stacked and and having three is always great and you know whether i jinx it or not you're you'll probably still get three even if it's, it doesn't end up being these three these three fights right because they're not gonna the the way they're rolling right now the way the ufc is rolling right now if somebody drops out or falls out of one of these title fights they'll just plug somebody else in so we'll still get three no worries i'm excited about holloway volkanovsky i'm excited about rose andrage um, although Jan, we know how I feel about that. Don't need to get into it, but it's glad it's good to have someone finally, you know, to have a new champion at 135. We need one just to get the, 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 the ball rolling, especially considering the awesome fights we had on 250 and uh, at 135. Usman Burns, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, a lot to unpack there, right? It's so much more than just what you see on paper. So I'll, uh, I'll save some of that for a little bit later in the show, but but all in all, I'm mostly excited that we have a date for Fight Island. Was was uh, very surprised that it was not in the Caribbean, like I predicted, and was surprised um, that that Usman and Burns were the the main event. I would have figured uh, maybe Holloway Volkanovski. When you look at all the all the names together, did you do you think that is a fair, a proper main event, Usman Burns? You know what? Um... I think that you got to respect the run that Usman is on. I think that um, this is one of those situations where they feel like, you know, there's very rare instances where the lighter weight fighter is ahead of the heavy, heavier fighter in True. terms of headlining a card. Um, could it be that they feel like Usman, considering his win streak, is ahead of both uh, Max and Alex in terms of name value? Star power. Remember, he's coming off a big fight against Colby Covington that we all saw and talked about. So I think that that just could be the X factor. It could very well be that when they were negotiating the fight with the, you know, Jorge, it was started as a main event. So when they things got shuffled, it stayed as main event. But it does not surprise me. But I understand what you mean because considering Gilbert Burns is new. To the party right he wasn't exactly a guy we would be saying yeah you're gonna headline fight island that john oliver and everybody else has been going crazy about so i get what you're saying i do understand what you mean um to me uh, stylistically uh, the thing that stands out is all of these take a lot of the others you know the stuff out of it that we'll talk about on paper these are some stylistically great fights i think that there's a lot of anticipation for how does Rose Namajunas approach the rematch mentally after the way it ended? Jessica Andrade, remember she was losing. Can she make up that deficit where she doesn't need a big knockout to win the fight? You know, she could go the distance if need be. I think that's a great one. I think that uh, Paige Van Zandt, I think people forget how fun it is to watch her compete. And Amanda Hibas, she's kind of becoming a breakthrough star of you know, 2020 with her personality. And then the title fights speak for themselves. Um, Kamaru versus uh, Burns. I mean, I feel like I, I understand. We wanted it. We all wanted it and expected it and are shocked that it is not Usman versus Masvidal. 
But I'll remind you, remi remember what he did about, what, eight, nine days ago to Tyron Woodley for 25 minutes? This is a very competitive fight. This isn't a gimme fight for Kamaru Usman after everything. So I think that's a lot of excitement in terms of, hey, the MMA you're going to sit and watch. So in that way, I, I like it. And that's not even to talk about Jose Aldo Peter Jan. Once again, I get what's going on on the outside. But stylistically, that's a fun fight. That's a banger. That's two guys who are going to stand and, you know, bring it at high volume and deliver maximum damage. I'm with it. I'm here for it. So I think all that, you know, comes together. Before we talk about the other stuff, the politics going on, uh, the fact that, Natalie, they're doing July 11th, July 15th, four days, you know, on Wednesday, July 18th on Saturday, and then compared to Florida, they're coming back one week later for the 25th, so... In two weeks, four fight cards on our Yaz Island. What do you think about that? Just how they're stacking the schedule? I think it's it's pretty awesome. It you know it makes sense considering what we, we did see in Jacksonville that if you just you, you just want to keep things as secure um, as possible, and this is the best way to do it. That way you can keep your staff there um, the whole time. Dana White says he's going to be living there the entire time. So it, it makes sense. And lucky for us, right? We get all these fights back to back to back to back. Now, they're not all going to be amazing, but it's nice to have um, a stack like, you know, sat, to have the, the Saturdays back with fights again. It was, it's been nice having it so far. And we get the little extra one there on the 15th in the middle. That's nice, too. I can't complain, man. The only thing I can't complain about is that I still don't have my Fight Island t-shirt. I don't even have a shipping confirmation. I have no idea if I'm going to get it at all or even in time for July I, Okay, so I talked to Laura Senko about this. Thank you, everybody who watched me break down your C250 with her. Um, she's, you know, she says, don't worry because worst case scenario, there are Fight Island hoodies coming. So even if you don't make it to have the t-shirt, you could still get a Fight Island hoodie before For Christmas. Christmas. Yes, I did. I did see your, your awesome <laughs> uh, interview there. That's, uh, did you get your shirt yet? I have to know. Did she send it? Uh, you know what? She's a busy woman. She was obviously working. We did that on Friday. The fights were on Saturday. She has a flight in between. The post office isn't open. Um, for the record, as of Tuesday, no. But... That's not to say, you know, Amazon wouldn't have been here this quick. So I'm not going to, you know, stress over it. You're not going to, you're not going to knock on her door looking I, for it. Not at all. Uh, but uh, she was, <laughs> it was very, very nice of her, right? She was very cool. I appreciated it. Um, just getting her insight. This is somebody, you kind of realize why she works for the UFC in her capacity, just her wealth of knowledge. It was a lot of fun to break it down with somebody and just go back and forth um, with the way that she views it and she sees it and her experience too in there. So it was just a lot of fun. But yes, to talk about it, I did mention it to somebody who may be able to send an email or two and see if we could get some, uh, you know, some movement on that front. You know what I mean? I know what you mean, man, but I, I got another question for you to sure. continue digressing. You got Laura Sanko. That was amazing. You've had you know, you. conversations with Karen Bryant and other, and other awesome folks in the MMA world. Did you see Halle Berry with Dana White on ESPN? I think you should reach out. I think, she, I, think, I think you have a chance, man. I think you should reach out. You know what? I should, right? And I do want to, but, you know, it's Halle Berry. Next thing I know, I'm just talking about 
being Storm and Catwoman and all this other stuff. And, you know, probably it's like, oh, yeah, I told you I was going to ask you about fights or something, huh? Uh, what's it like <laughs> to hang out with Valentina Shevchenko? I think, you know, I don't know. I got to build my way up to Miss Halle Berry. I don't want to <laughs> be like Ariel Helwani who just, you know, he forgets he's at work when he sees her. You know what I mean? I hear you. I hear you. So, you know, control, pacing, all in good time, young Natalie, all in good time. Uh, real quick, on the Fight Island schedule, like you, I love it. I like that we're getting a lot of action. I will say this, and for example, you know, Kamaru Usman, he's a guy who trains in the United States. Same for Max. Um, uh, so a lot of these matchups, I do worry about, you know, not to say that I get it, not every fight was going to be an international guy or girl versus another international fighter. But I do worry, at, once again, at that pace, you know, like, hey, who's going to be left to still do week after week after week, you know, in August? This is, you know, we're doing full-size fight cards, right, to my knowledge. Yeah. So I will say that is I'm interested to see that. On the other hand, by proof of Gilbert Burns and Hannah Cyphers, Ian Heinish, uh, Kelleher, Brian right? Kelleher, yes, Ray Borg. A lot of guys are getting, you know, quick turnarounds if they're not taking damage and being ready. So I do think that's going to be that's going to be a very prevalent storyline by the time we get to Fight Island. I want to predict that right now that we're going to see a lot of, hey, you know, the UFC putting, you know, going full steam ahead plus extra. Like, remember that? I think it was Back to the Future 3. That's the pace they're going at. The train is hot. <laughs> For I, uh, the UFC I right now. I predict a three-way fight in August with uh, between Jorge Mazadal, John Jones, and Conor McGregor. And uh, I think I think uh, that's what's going to happen because they're going to run out of fighters even with these repeat offenders. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, I personally still am going to bring it up this week to Dana White. Where's my tiki torches? Where's uh, <laughs> all this other stuff that I've been fantasizing? You know, don't just have it, oh, the, the shot of the island is outside, but the arena is... You know, a regular arena that'll you know. Yeah, that was that'll hurt. A, that'll hurt a little bit. If I'm, yeah. I'm not gonna lie, I think I, we got a little excited. It gave us some something to distract ourselves. So, yeah, I'll bring that up. Uh, Natalie, I think that we have started the show positive, so it almost hurts me to talk about our next topic. But it's very blunt, especially looking at Fight Island. Uh, Jorge Masvidal. He has taken his rift with the UFC public. Um, we, we touched on it a little bit. It's more uh, he said, he said, and, you know, Dana White is essentially maintaining that uh, Jorge, you know, they couldn't, it was on the Masvidal side that they couldn't come to a deal with. Jorge has essentially said that he's been offered, I'm hearing l half of the amount that he was paid to fight Nate Diaz for the BMF title. And that essentially that's a big part of the, you know, the situation is that, hey, you know, he just feels he should be getting paid more for this matchup. He has said that um, the, his deals have been renegotiated a few times in the last year or so, going back to Darren Till. Uh, for me, Natalie, I will say this. Uh, I understand. Uh, we, we all agree, you know, everyone should get paid what they're worth. Everyone deserves a big slice of the pie. Um, we, and I get it. We see the money in boxing. Why isn't that happening in UFC? I completely get all of that. I do agree that for a fight, I, I'll say it bluntly, 
yes, the BMF title was a spectacle and it was a great show and I liked the clash of personalities. This is for the undisputed title. No matter how it goes, on paper, I see this being a 10 times more competitive and difficult fight for both Kamaru and Jorge. I do believe they should be getting as much, if not more. So, exactly what's missing on that end, only the players involved on the inside can say. But I will say this, Natalie, and um, I brought it up late last year about the Conor McGregor that, oh, the ship had sailed on making the cowboy fight. I said it, look, you have a fight of this magnitude, a name of this star power. Uh, I really thought, even with everything going on Saturday, even with everything that had been said on Twitter, I really thought at some point the deal is going to get done. Jorge is going to be the one to fight uh, Kamaru Usman. So the fact that that has not happened and we are seeing the, you know, the headliner. And once again, Gilbert Burns, great fighter. I think that he's on track to get this fight anyway, but this was supposed to be the Masvidal Usman headliner. And the fact that it didn't happen, I think, speaks volumes about just how big the, the schism is behind the scenes. Yeah, definitely, man. It's pretty shocking. And, and it's, it's disappointing. It's not shocking. It's disappointing because of the rise that, that Jorge had and how fast that occurred. Considering he's been around for so long, you know, he is a veteran of the sport and that's not an insult. That's sort of a, a, a badge of honor for him. And so in that respect, you'd think he would deserve more money. But but then considering the last, you know, two years he's had, oh my goodness, the UFC owes him a lot, especially with Conor McGregor being on the sidelines for so long. He's the guy that stepped up and made big waves with Nate Diaz and on his own. You know, he didn't even need Diaz for that. So it's crazy that, that you would pay, as you said, a compensated fighter less for actual title for your, for your company, your promotion. That should be the most valuable prize in, in the UFC. You know, the BMF thing that, that Dana White sort of scoffed at and then embraced because he saw how much money he could make. That's the thing you're going to value above your own official world championship. It's strange. What I don't buy, I don't, I don't like is Dana White's um, response about, oh, it's a pandemic and, you know, we're spending a lot of money. Oh, that's not the fighters. That shouldn't make, the fighters shouldn't suffer for that. That's that's your problem, right? Not theirs. And fair is fair. That doesn't really apply in business, but, you know, these guys are putting their life on the line. Like, be a little bit fair. So it's frustrating to see these great fighters have to go public with these, grievances it's frustrating because you know nothing's going to happen we've seen this before i actually really do want to know if leslie smith is in contact with jorge masvidal or john jones or conor mcgregor and i secretly hope that the three of them you know not necessarily leslie smith but the other three fighters i mentioned are talking to each other with henry cejudo that they're all just you know coming together and uh, devising an amazing plan to go shake up the world of MMA and, and have the UFC, you know, paint them into a corner. I doubt it, but that would be nice. They have, they have power. And the way Jorge was talking to Kenny, you know, it seems like he's the most aware of the power that they have. But again, will they come together to, to use it? I don't know. Do you think, do you think that could happen? Do you think these, these 
really big names can come together and make something happen? Or is it just going to continue to be each man for himself? I believe that um, I always stand with everybody getting paid. I do understand why the union thing is such a difficult concept because the second, you know, as much as it is about everyone making money, the second you feel like there's a group that's losing money or that can't break outside the rules if the opportunity presents itself, um, you know, that's where a lot of the disconnect comes from to making it actually happen, right? So I do believe that under these circumstances, you're seeing a very unique situation. To answer your question, I do believe it's possible. I do believe that there is a way to, you know, keep making money and keep it and get athletes paid more and everyone can be happy. I do believe that's something that can happen. Um, I'll admit this though. I feel like there's a lot of behind the scenes numbers that we just don't know. And um, you'll notice contractually, they never reveal for a reason. I don't think it's uh, because, oh, Jorge or John Jones doesn't want to tell you he made X dollars down to X cents. Like, this is the check, the paycheck that uh, UFC has given, or this is all of it tallied up after a fight, you know, a pay-per-view. I don't think that's it. I do believe that, you know, for a lot of reasons, it's their business. They can, you know, I wouldn't be able to tell you all the things that... Um, my boss and their boss's boss's boss's, you know, their numbers are, you know, that's not how it works. So I think that that's something that without knowing that I couldn't tell you who's asking too much, who's really needs to get paid more, all of that. I mean, I just don't know. Only someone on the inside honestly would know. And honestly, it's not like even uh, these guys like, uh, oh, Jorge Masvidal's teammate or somebody like, do you really, like, I don't tell people down to the penny what I make. I would be shocked if anyone outside of him, his manager, very, very small number, besides UFC, would be able to tell you what it exactly is. So I think without that, it's hard to say, like, man, where, just how far off are we, is my point. Okay. Um, I, yeah. I'll, I'll say this, uh, with it, like, I'll go back to it, is that when the big fights happen, when it's possible, the deal has always seemed to be able to get made, right? Like, they were able to get Nate to do the turnaround and fight Jorge. They were able to get Connor in there and essentially build a whole event fight card in January for Connor and other stuff. There's plenty of examples throughout uh, the UFC. I'll say this. I think that, um, you know, and we talked about it during the pandemic about UFC 200. And the fact that it was blown out of the water by two or three Conor McGregor fights that year. As stacked as it was, people know the names they genuinely want to see. There are stars that will push you over the hump. I do believe that Kamaru versus Masvidal would have gotten Fight Island to those BMF, those historic numbers, plain and simple. Do you think, the, though, that, that they're putting these, these big fight fights and and have marquee fighters on ice right now because there's no gate like do you do you think that as soon as they can get an audience back in they're gonna make those deals real quick i would think so yeah because i think that that's all money he they're all eager to make right but on um, on the other hand i do believe that you know and, and something like you're seeing uh, what do 
I'm blanking. The XFL. I think that the U. Not saying the UFC is in the same boat, but at a certain point, things really, really start to suffer, right? You know, financially. I mean, you know, you got Fight Island T-shirts that are just sitting in a warehouse, according to Natalie. Um, you know, but at a certain point, things come to a head, and I don't think people realize, you know, and this is throughout sports how important it is to have games and have a live attendance i read and people could tell you the cavaliers they go from having lebron and cleveland like especially by the arena it's popping restaurants are thriving etc etc a year later the team's in last place um no you know no stars on the team etc etc no merch is being sold like none Restaurants are now suffering, places are closing. This is a real effect that happens to seemingly established places. I would not be surprised if the UFC at a certain point is like, you know, we kind of got to collect the, you know, the pay-per-view points and the ESPN commercial money and, you know, just make this roll. Otherwise, it becomes a very deep hole. I think that we're seeing for everybody. Yeah, makes sense. All right. So, um, and for the record, I mean... I with this card I also noticed who wasn't announced. For example, I do really want to know what's going on with Adesanya versus Costa. I feel like we could be heading toward a double pay-per-view in August. Personally, it, Fight Island and the Apex. Uh, I do think that Fight Island will be the site of uh, Habib versus Gaethje in September. I'll say that. Um, but yeah, I do think that we're going to have a very interesting August because... The final announcement, uh, Stipe Miocic and Daniel Cormier have officially signed for the trilogy. And I'll say this right now, Natalie, I know that he's paid a lot for Fight Island, but I really think that it would defeat the purpose if they have two Americans headline Fight Island when you could just keep them at the apex. Nah, you got to take them to Fight Island. Why? For the t-shirts that you're never going to get. <laughs> Okay, I, all right, I like your enthusiasm. I think it's going to be like last year where they had International Fight Week and then randomly another pay-per-view in July. I think that they're going to have a big card for the big guys, finally settle it, and Adesanya versus Costa this summer. I'll say this. I, although it could be possible, because I think they're going to hold with Habib and Gaethje in September. I would really... Really, it would just be uh, a little depressing if we have to wait until October to finally see Arasanya and Costa. And by the way, that's not to say what's going on with John Jones. Yeah, jeez. I, I kind of want to see some stuff happen, if I'm being honest already, you know? That's yeah, another uh, can of worms, so to speak. It is because, you know, you know, especially if they don't have a gate yet, and they're trying to make as much money as they can and break it up, you know, by month. I mean, they usually do that with their big pay-per-views, but now it's like you really want to make sure you have at least one really good one. Then, yeah, they might stretch out these these fights that we're dying to see. You know, they're stacking them for the first Fight Island card, but 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 they're not going to stack them, I don't think, like this anymore until we have a gate. I think they'll do the once-a-month stacked-ish. You know, I think that um, the first fight back was a big deal. I think they kind of put all chips in on that one with what they yeah. had available 
I also think they're doing that with Fight Island. You know, it's very... People are talking about this more than we talked about BMF. And BMF was a circus, remember? So Mm -hmm. uh, this is... We're getting to that level. So I think if you could give a good fight card, everything points well. So I'll say that. Uh, I like the fact that it's happening in August. More so for the fact that whatever's going to happen, if DC wins, if Stipe wins, if the title's vacant, if it's held, I think that bodes well for guys like Francis Ngannou, Curtis Blades, Alexander Volkov, who fight um, next Saturday. I think that's good in terms of the timeline. What about you? Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, we had to wait long enough for it that it just sort of, it sort of just settled into actually a decent spot for the division, so... That's kind of what happens sometimes when you get strung along. I almost wish that they announced it yesterday because it's kind of like an afterthought. Oh, yeah, NDC is going to fight Stipe finally. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I used up all my 9 a.m. excitement on first take fight island, man. You know, so I, I'll say that. I could have, we could have waited for the news. <laughs> we didn't need one more. It's Tuesday. All the MMA media is working. They didn't need to work overtime like they did on Saturday when the Notorious took to Twitter and said that uh, he is retired. Um, Natalie, I'll say this. I thought, you know, it's early in the morning. He probably was enjoying watching Amanda Nunes work while sipping some proper 12. And, you know, he picked up his phone as he is known to do during fight night and... He decided to make us talk about him. The kicker is that apparently Ariel Helwani, very different from other times, got to sit down and have this long chat with him. And, you know, he's saying that the game doesn't excite him, that he can't get a fight. He's watching all this stuff happen. No audience, but he wants to compete and all this other stuff that it feels different. It isn't exciting him. Um, I take all of that. And here's how I read it, is that uh, Connor is saying, hey, I know I get paid this much to fight, and I'm ready to fight, so it's kind of like, hey, I'm here to show up for work, send me my check, and let's all make bank. And, you know, for whatever reason, UFC doesn't want to meet him on it. Now, I do believe it's because they know that it's not just dangling the carrot, but there's like that golden egg you know, from Mother Goose, of a possible rematch with Habib, with both of them coming off wins. And you already have Habib committed to a dangerous fight in Gaethje. Why do you want to double down risking it by having Conor fight somebody and possibly lowering his stock? That is the only reason why I can imagine UFC would not want to be in the Conor McGregor business and make the money because really, we've said it how many times, who knows when we'll get a live gate again. Yeah, man, that, that's definitely one of the reasons. It, I do feel for, I mean, you know, I shouldn't feel sorry for Conor McGregor. He's he's doing fine, but... He's making, I feel he's for the, getting Burger King commercial money. Yep. You <laughs> and know, he's, proper 12. And proper 12. And he's Beats. For, and <laughs> okay, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> he's uh, an August McGregor, but I don't know how much he gets of his own brand. But um, he's uh, he's dying to fight, man. He And, you know, he talks about that plan he laid out. It was a beautiful plan. He was like, I'm here to fight three times this year. Let's go. Nobody saw the pandemic coming. Of course, well, some people did. But in any case, here with this pandemic, he knows that there's way more money for him if he fights 
with an audience, but it seemed like he was still willing to just go, man. But he couldn't get a fight to save his life. And it's just bad timing. You know, he's in a division, two divisions that are hot right now. They're the hottest divisions. And there's a lot of exciting names. You know, I don't I don't believe him when he says, you know, I wasn't excited by the opponents. I think it's just that it was a um, probably such a headache, such a hassle to have, you know, his eyes set on one division with one opponent or two. He's, you know, wants to be ready, so he's getting his body ready, staying ready, staying ready, staying ready, thinking about it, probably investing a lot of time and energy mentally, physically, preparing for 155. Then it's like, oh, maybe it's 170. Then it's Anderson Silva. And he's saying yes to all of this. And the meantime, in the meantime, his mom apparently doesn't have a house to live in. So, you know, I don't know why he waited till he retired to get her a house. But, you know, I think he just really got sick and tired of being uh, start and stop, right? And I can, I can, I can see how it would be so frustrating for him. But, you know, he's 31, which is still young, but it's not like super young, and he looks like he's in great shape. Is it real? Yeah, for now. I think he's not going to, you know, tweet or say anything fight-related until until we have fans back in the seats. And then we'll see. I think that really will make a lot of changes uh, with these with these fighters that are that are very unhappy right now. But but the last thing I'll say on this is actually a question. Do you do you agree with DC when he said to Helwani that um it was poor timing? unfortunate timing for the people who had a great night at UFC 250 for Connor to, to gobble up the airspace with his, with his retirement tweet. Yes. I'll say that respectfully. Cause I think that, um, very bluntly, I, I saw Chael's thing that said that Connor by Ireland time, he sent that at 6am. Connor was aware that MMA Twitter and all the MMA media was working. And, you know, before everyone shuts their computer, goes home after Amanda Nunes, he wanted to make sure all eyeballs saw his message. Not that they don't always, but, you know, maybe they're not at the computer. They wait until the next morning to talk about it. He made sure it was a topic at the Dana White press conference and all this. And yep. I wasn't a, you know, uh, I get the power play. I'd, I'd also remind you that more people watch all the fights because of guys like Connor, so I think that's a little bit of the nature of the beast in that sense. I'll say that. Um, in terms of the Connor stuff, I mean, I'd imagine, like I said, I'd imagine that he legitimately wants to fight. I, I get it; he doesn't have to this and that. Guys, he said it himself. He can live his life how he wants. If he wanted to call it a day, ladies and gentlemen. He could. Let's not play games like the proper 12 would suddenly dry up if he walked away. He would be good for a while. So, you know, and per by the time he stopped being good, he would find something else to make him the cash. So the fact that all this is going on, I really do think that it's uh, the lack of gate. I think that they just feel like there's no... I'll say it. I'm looking at all the fights. There's not a matchup right now that makes sense for Connor that isn't just a gimme fight. And mind you, like I'm aware people feel that way about Cowboy a little bit. And I think that's unfair. But I'm looking at it. I mean, who are you going to give Connor? Tony Ferguson? Even if Tony, 
wasn't still sitting on ice like it should be after that fight, you know, that's a bad matchup. What does it do? It doesn't, you know, it just puts the Habib fight at risk. Justin Gaethje even more so. Um, so I think, you know, Anderson Silva, I talked about it. I don't think there'd be any shame in losing to Anderson because of the size. But, you know, aesthetically, you want him off a win. And so I think it's one of the rare times that UFC is saying, Connor, we don't want you back yet. We want to cash in on the possible Habib rematch. Whereas usually, UFC is saying, we could actually use a Conor McGregor main event right about now. We've had maybe, you know, a slow two or three month stretch. We need that extra pop. We want to get the barbershops talking in excess about UFC this week, you know? I think that that's exactly what's happening is that, you know, Conor... And I'll say this, uh, people aren't talking about it a lot. Connor, even with athletes and fighters, especially a guy like him, you can make your career stretch out longer. He's in his prime. He fought in January. If he were not to fight till November, December, I mean, you're talking about a year. You're yeah. talking about a year of this guy's career, his prime that was spent, you know, chasing after Connor Jr. and taking care of his daughter and changing diapers. You know, I don't think that he wants that. I think that it's like, look, if I'm going to walk away young, let me get these matches in while I'm at the top of my game. I don't want to be saying I fought the guy or the man when I was starting to finally slow down a little bit for whatever reason. I think that that's something he doesn't want. And I think that's part of why he wants to fight. Yeah, it must be so frustrating for him, though, because, like, yes, he's ready, and he that's, like, I think what's at the top of his mind is, like, I only have so many really good competitive, like, properly competitive years left, one or two, before you start the decline. You're still going to be an awesome fighter, but it's not going to be the same. And, like, he came back ready to go, but, you know, he made a really awesome plan, and then and then the world came and slapped his plan down, and that's it. I mean, that's something a lot of us have in common with Connor. Yes. I mean, I, I can't rock that nice beard like he does. And, you know, uh, I'm not a whiskey guy, really. So, but I can relate to Connor. My plans were also slapped by the apocalypse. Yeah. Everyone got a slap down this year. Yeah. Even Connor. Um, yeah. But, um, no, the, to get back to it, I think that that's exactly what's going on is like, you know, everyone's. Everyone's trying to do the best for them, and that can make negotiating very hard, as we've seen. So, And here we are. But yeah, so I'm sure we'll have plenty of that. These guys, you know, we're in 2020. Everyone's on their phone all day. One of these guys will pick up Twitter, and we will talk about it next week also, I'm sure. Uh, we have so much before we finish up the show, talking about Jessica I versus Jessica Calvillo. Natalie, have we forgotten that there was an awesome fight card on Saturday, 72 oh hours ago? I mean, I dude. have not. I have not. Okay, let's finally recap this. Amanda Nunes versus Felicia Spencer. Um, Natalie, I thought about this. I feel like people might have forgotten that Amanda has had nothing but time to learn from the Shevchenko fights, the Katzingano fights. They might have forgotten that she trains with this very powerful athlete and judo Olympian <laughs> two-time gold medalist, Kayla Harrison, 
at ATT. So I think that, you know, maybe there was a bit of surprise when Felicia Spencer in the first round closes the distance, gets her up to the fence, and Amanda, Amanda Nunes does the, the trip or the, sorry, the throw. It's been a long show. And gets on top of Felicia Spencer. And really, the fight was never the same after that. Yeah, indeed. And I think that Kayla Harrison had to be the X factor here because, like, she's so per- much bigger, stronger. Perfect than person her. to help you prepare for Felicia. I'm sorry? Perfect person to help you prepare for Felicia. Yeah, man. Perfect person. Like, training up in size, you know, training against someone up in size with that pedigree. Holy moly. So, it's not a surprise. And um, it was just really a one sided. I want to say it was a shellacking because it was the pace wasn't you know wasn't wasn't quite that level, but it was a very clear one-sided fight. Felicia Spencer, God Almighty, can she take a punch? Good thing, bad thing, I don't know. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, to me, that of of that whole card, you know, that fight was the most underwhelming. Um, but it, you know, it was a it was a a good. A, a good solid win for Amanda Nunez in a division that, you know, she like completely owns and like <laughs> there's not much else going on at that division. So, I mean, for myself, I just didn't expect it. You know, I, I had Amanda, but I just really didn't expect it to be that much. I really felt like there would be a lot more resistance, especially when Felicia got her against the fence. I was like, okay. This is where we're putting it to work. This is where we're going to see it. And really, that's just a testament to the preparation and the evolution of Amanda Nunes that you had a very savvy, very, you know, Felicia knows what she's doing in there. She didn't win her fights in the Invicta title on accident. But really, I think the fact that Amanda did what she wanted on the feet, the fact that there were moments of her going to the ground and handling business there that to me was like you know that like look I know Amanda's good but I really even stylistically I felt like this should not be as you know Amanda made it look a lot easier than I think it should have been and I think that's just a testament to her preparation and her skills and the fact that she has grown from all those fights yeah um, man, that's a good way of putting it definitely made it easier than than it, it looked on paper for sure yeah um on top of that I feel like um it was another one similar to, I don't want to say like the Anthony Smith fight, but especially going in through that fourth round, I felt like that was grounds to possibly call it a night in the fifth. And now look, once again, I know how tough Felicia Spencer is. Um, I've heard a stat, I haven't seen the numbers come up, that she even took, ironically, more shots in the three-round cyborg fight than she did against Amanda in five rounds. So this is, the fact is, this is one tough woman. I think, yeah. though, like, there was a point of, you know, I un- look, I understand standing by your athlete, but I also, if you told me that they called in a night, I would not have, I don't think there would have been any controversy unanimously. No controversy, and at that point, she hadn't hurt in any way Nunes. Uh, she hadn't fatigued her. So there's zero value in continuing with the fight because there there is no not even a puncher's chance of Felicia Spencer doing something to turn the tables of of that 
of the outcome there to change the outcome. So, so definitely just to save her brain, they should have just called it, you know, there's no reason to go back out there. Zero. I'll say, I think that might've been a testament to Felicia's toughness. She had probably, I'll say this. I feel like she had a couple more wits about her than, you know, some of the other fights more than, uh, Anthony Smith. And, um, I think Tony Ferguson a bit now, mind you, she was still losing, but I think that, you know, you look in her eyes, this was a woman who the fight was not over yet for her. Yeah, but she took those get... punches too well. She wasn't discombobulated or anything. And so it wasn't like an outrage. And, you know, we weren't sitting on our couches like shouting, call the fight, throw in the towel. Yeah. But it nonetheless could have, should have been. Yeah. Stopped. Yeah, it's just one of those cases. But um, Amanda Nunez holds. It's Amanda Nunez world. We're just all uh, living in the savannah of the lioness. Uh, she says she's probably done for 2020. She's got a new child on the way. That could take a lot of time, can it, Natalie? Nah, nah, she'll be fine. She'll be good. Yeah, she'll be back. I think she's going to be, like, super well-rested and ready to go in, like, four months. (laughs) (laughs) I hear you. No, um, I think the thing about it is, uh, she's taking time off, and I'm not a fan of that. I always feel like, okay, if you're healthy, you've taken adequate time all right next man up right this is what greatness is about i completely get it if we don't see her till january and i think a big thing a big part of that looking at everyone in the division i feel like yes you could come back and fight megan anderson i feel like that's the only feather you have yet to add to your cap i you know i feel like you know you're gonna do it that's really that's like the last piece on the board she's taken the queens the bishop the queen the bishop the castles the knights knocking out you know we're starting to take out the pawns right in terms of the board and really you know we have just megan anderson that one lone knight in the corner you know as uh the you know the other side is closing in i really just feel like there's nobody else standing out especially at bantamweight um and I know Aspen Ladd, she had a title eliminator and you had, um, you know, she's booked against Sarah McMahon. They just announced Irene Aldana taking on Holly Holm. Clearly that one is to potentially raise her to build her up as a challenger. But then I can't say I look at both of them today and say one more win is going to make me believe you're going to be the answer to Amanda Nunes. You get what I mean? No, 100%. And I love Irene Aldana and that last fight she had, that knockout against, oh boy, Catlin. I can't remember. Best, yes, thank you. Was awesome. She's a great freaking boxer. I'm really, really get excited when she fights. But, you know, as far as Nunez goes, no one's, not, not that she's going to walk away, but if she really doesn't come back till next year, like no one's going to be saying like, oh man, but, you know, she never fought Meg- Megan Anderson or name anybody else at 135, even a Rene Aldana. Like, she's good. She's good to go. Not saying that that's what she's going to do, but just, you know, she's 100% good to go. No one's going to pop up in either of those divisions, especially 145, that's going to have us questioning if, if Nunes really is the best female fighter. So I think pressure's off. She's going to be able to enjoy her family, let those divisions get rebuilt, or in 145 case, you know, actually built out because there's nobody there. 
Um, but that's what needs to happen. So I think it's good that she's going to be gone. Um, I do prefer the fighters, the champions, to keep churning out some some wins, especially for her. It'd be pretty easy. Whoever they throw in front of her, I think would be just an easy win. No offense, but also without her being there, maybe it'll give people uh, a chance to show other side of to show to to, to fine tune their skills. We, we need someone to come in and really convince us there's going to be a challenge for Nunes. And she probably feels the same way. Yeah. Also, I like what Dana White said about the Shevchenko trilogy. Look, Amanda said it. Uh, 125 is not going to happen. And um, she, the only person with anything to gain from fighting Nunes a third time is Shevchenko. She doesn't need to prove anything twice. I know they were close. I know how you feel about the rematch, but it just is what it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. um. Yeah, I, I do like what he said, that he liked the possibility of Wei Li and Shevchenko down the line. I like that. I like that little nugget, if I may say so myself. But um, yeah, I think that uh, for right now, the lioness will return to Pride Rock. She'll bring out Simba or, you know, what's... I know there was a sequel where he had a daughter or whatever. Anyway, <laughs> the fact is, you know where I'm going with my metaphor is that the yes. lioness will retreat... Scar is gone from the Pride Lands and, you know, peace is there in, uh, you know, in her world. Anyway, now that I've done, you know, this show has taken a turn. Let's get back on track. <laughs> uh, finishes. Cody Garbrandt um, killed a man. Sean O'Malley attempted murder. And Aljamain Sterling just brought the funk. I mean, talk to me. What are you, first off, who did it better? Cody or O'Malley? Oh, Cody Garbrandt, hundred percent. That was wicked, and and like he, you know, Rogan said it correctly. He like put, threw that punch from his knee, like he bent in half, and just that's like a video game like finisher, right? Go one of those KO like I don't know, mega. You just pressed X at the end, right? <laughs> yeah, Lord Almighty, and like I didn't catch it on the first watch, but the second watching um, viewing. You see him kind of set it up in the, at the end of the first round where he stands against the cage and he moves around and waits for Sun Sao to punch him, doesn't do anything, and then he, like, you know, swats the air. Like, oh, okay, you got nothing? You weren't even going to try? All right, so he plants the seed, and then round two, boom. I mean, yeah, he sent him to the moon. He not getting up, Jim, right? Like, oh, boy, that was that was exciting. That was a crazy, crazy performance by, and finished by, by Garbrandt. Um, O'Malley's was, was also thrilling, but Garbrandt's the hands down winner for me. Hands down. Just the power, the violence level on that one, right? Yeah, that's, that's what took the cake in my opinion. Um, we're going to talk about what's next for Cody, but yeah, Sean O'Malley, man, this kid, I know it's like, you have all those colors between the tattoos and the hair that it's hard to call him golden boy, but really... (laughs) I mean, what do you call a kid who's on a run like this? I, I think that um, I like it. I like that he's fi- I, I like that he's staying active. I like that he's saying he wants to fight again this year. I think all of that bodes well. Unlike uh, Macy Barber, he is now officially he has crossed the threshold. Right now, we do need to talk about. I like the Chito Vera fight for him. Uh, they talked about Song Yudong. I don't think that that's a good fight. I'd like to have both of them build up on parallel paths and maybe they'll get there when they're in title contention. But 
I like the Cheeto Vera fight. I think that Cheeto is a little, uh, he's just underrated. And I think that he'd be a great test for uh, Sean O'Malley next. Um, I know they were talking about, well, what about Cody? He got a knockout. You got a knockout. I think patience. All in good time there. Unless someone gets hurt, we don't need to throw Sean O'Malley in against Cody. We just got, you know, we just got Cody back. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, we just got Cody back. Let's, you know, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but like, let's, let's, let's like gently guide Cody back to the top and, and, you know, let's have him just looking upward, not, not, not backward. He doesn't need to look behind him to, to move up. Um, he's, he's good enough to just keep looking forward. So. I'm glad you brought that up because he's still Cody still reps alpha male, but he now is training with Mark Henry, who wouldn't you know it, Mr. Mark Henry and the team in New Jersey, if I'm not New Jersey or Long Island, New yeah. Jersey, yeah. Um, Natalie, they have in the same team now, so at least you know close enough, you know, in terms of being teammates, Cody Garbrandt. Frankie Edgar, who's making his Bantamweight debut. And how about that, Mr. Marlon Moraes, who in any Ooh. other scenario would be an obvious choice for Cody Garbrandt in terms of getting him back to the title picture for both of them. Who the yeah. heck do you put Cody with next? That's tricky. Corey Sanhagen? I uh, feel like that's a the pendulum's going different directions. But I get why you're saying it, but I still think, uh, I don't know. Ironically, I think that he almost needs to wait for the loser of uh, Jan and um, Aldo, which feels weird, but also feel like, assuming he doesn't fight Marlon or Frankie, I feel like that's the only one that would make sense for his star power and, you know, the height that he has right now. Maybe, yeah. Do you think, wait, what's, what's Frankie, um, is this fight booked ready? Yeah, July 11th. Uh, um, he's on the prelims of the mega fight island card oh boy i don't know who he's fighting Do you pedro remember? munoz oh okay i was <laughs> it's all good. i know ufc we're ahead of ufc.com don't worry um wow okay well then i was looking at um because you know ufc wants uh, frankie's on the short list if he wins at 135 Name value. Yeah, name. So, I yeah. mean, Jose Aldo's in t the t in the title fight. You know, hasn't notched the win. So, you know, my point is like, they, it's a wild west at one thirty-five. It is. It's actually all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, but especially now with with Cody and Sean and Aljamain, like that amazing set trio of performances at UFC two fifty. It's it's and then really look right there. Like you're not even saying Marlon Moraes. He won well, the fight with Jose Aldo. He was I'm, doing I'm damage. <laughs> but no, I mean, that. like, don't just put respect on that man's name. He needs to be yeah. there when you list these fighters well, in order. Maybe, yeah, I mean, what I was going to say is give Cody Frankie Edgar, because those are two great names, but okay, he's yeah. already got a fight. So, yeah, then who is left? Jimmy Rivera? I don't know. <laughs> I, I'll say this. I don't know. If, let's find out how much he's actually training with these guys. Like you know, in person, and let's talk about Marlon Moraes. I think that that's a perfect fight for Cody. Just a banger, good striking, maybe have to use his wrestling to fight the jiu-jitsu. Um, I think that's the violence we need. It's a great fight. It's going to, you know, with a win or a solid performance, it'll either leave him at nine, according to the UFC's rankings, or move him up. So it's kind of a win-win for him. 
Um, but yeah, what's what's the scenario there? What's the situation? Because in all the you know the the pre-fight footage, the bedded and countdowns and stuff like. He's with Mark Henry, right? That's who's holding the mitts for him. So it seems like he's pretty, even though he says he's still alpha male, it seems like he's, he's pretty well invested in, um, in, in, in Mark Henry and being his, his, his student. Look, it's, he made a new friend that he's very excited to hang out with. That doesn't mean he suddenly forgets his long-term relationship back home. Okay, it's just, you know, we all get someone exciting and new in our lives. It doesn't mean we love our person any less, Natalie. <laughs> Unless you are <clears throat> TJ Dillashaw. Right. But, uh, Do they, they don't even have a striking coach. I don't even know who their striking coach is at Alpha Male right I now. Thought, I, think that's... I feel like they've gone through a lot, like Martin Campman and other guys. Yeah. And yes, Mr. Dwayne Ludwig, too. But yeah, so it's quite the situation. But yeah, for the record, um, Cody versus Marlon. I like Aljamain Sterling. I don't think Aljamain should have to wait. Sorry, should have to fight somebody else. I, if you tell me he's ahead of Cody, if you tell me he's going to be a, ahead of Frankie Edgar if he wins, and he's going to... I think I'm ready for it. I, I'm ready to see him fight for UFC Gold. I think it could be a lot of fun. And I do like him stylistically against uh, Jose and... Peter Jan. I think that that would be a fun fight for him. Who do you think is going to be the standby guy for, for Aldo Jan? Like, they got to pick somebody, right? You think they go Marlon or Aljamain? Or... You got Frankie Edgar right there the same night. Oh, that's you right. could do. Yeah. Oh! What if it ends up being Aldo Edgar 3? Uh... <laughs> I don't know. We'll talk about that next week. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, crazy. Nah. <laughs> they, they might just bring in Aljo, make weight. We'll let you hang out at the cabana. Yeah. You know, I think so. I liked it. Um, Sean O'Malley looked good. A lot of people looked good. It was a very fun uh, Saturday night. It was a sleeper card. I get it. But um, it was very good. I, I liked the the pacing. So I was going to say. Yeah, well, it did move. It moved fast. I liked it too. Yeah. Finally, Natalie, we're at the end of the show. Let's talk about it this Saturday. The fight night from the UFC Apex. How about that? Three cards in a row. I feel like this is a trend. Do you? <laughs> I do. Yes. Anyway, uh, Jessica I, Cynthia Calvillo. Jessica I is coming off a win. She did talk, you know, she missed weight bad in the last one, but she has, I feel like that's all anyone's talked to her about. It's like she's there until she's like, I've got it this time. Cynthia Calvillo, you know, she's had a bit of injuries and suspension and you know, she didn't have. She had a draw in her last fight at straw weight, and now you know, after a couple misses, she's going up to flyweight. I feel like this is a good example of possibly a very good larger athlete taking on the smaller one. I think that Jessica I, being a former bantamweight, and look, she's no slouch. I think that she's looked good. She, you know, remember she is someone who's gotten the win over like Caitlin Chukagian and others. I think that she matches up very well. I think that Cynthia Calvillo, stylistically, you're counting on high volume, high pressure. And I just don't know if she's going to have the pop she needs to overcome somebody who has a very solid output herself in Jessica I. Hmm. You know, I, I'm, uh, 
I'm just going to start with with this and say I'm I'm seeing Calvillo win um, by decision. I think she's going to outpoint Jessica I because for me Jessica I kind of never really gets going. You know, output maybe, but I feel like a lot of the times she's throwing punches that aren't landed. So you know they're going, but they're not hitting. And I think Calvillo is going to be the more daring fighter. She's just naturally gutsier. At least that's the sense I get from from interviews and whatnot. I I believe that she believes in herself more. Um, with Jessica, I always sense a little bit of hesitation, almost like she's trying to convince herself. And you know, she has some solid performances, and then a lot of them are quite quite underwhelming. So um, I think Calvillo's gonna just perform at a more impressive level and and get the win by decision. You think she'll try to take it to the ground? Calvillo? Yeah. Um, yes, I think she definitely will try. But as you wisely pointed out, Jessica's uh, the, the larger opponent, larger fighter here. So it could be tricky. But Calvillo's super gutsy, man. She's She kind of goes after it the way Carla Esparza does. So, so I think... Um, I think she'll get her down maybe once or twice, but I don't think she'll have much luck there. I think it's going to be outpointing her on the feet. Gotcha. I feel like Jessica I is going to be just ahead. I think that just stylistically, I think that the power and the output is just going to... I think Calvillo in her first fight out, I don't know if she's going to be able to handle the physicality of Jessica. I think this is what I'm coming back, back to. Is I almost feel like she needs to take more time getting ready at a flyweight. And I think that Jessica, you know, I understand what you're saying because I've seen a lot of those performances. I've also seen her light it up a bit and surprise me, especially her last fight. So I think that it's going to be a little bit tougher. And also, it's a main event. I think that she's training harder knowing the spotlight that she has this time. So I think it's going to be interesting. But yeah, I'm going to go for the split. I'm going to go with Jessica I on the other side. Uh, Unanimous decision too. All right. And there we have it. Next week's show, we will recap Jessica I, Cynthia Calvillo. We will discuss, are there sharks surrounding Fight Island? We will discuss, <laughs> will Dana White build a Mortal Kombat throne just for the, for the lulls and the pictures? And, of course, we will look ahead to UFC Vegas again. This time, Curtis Blades, Alexander Volkov, heavyweight um, heavyweights thrown down a lot of uh, high stakes in the title picture I love it Natalie where can fans find you on social media Twitter at Natalie Zamudio underscore and Instagram at Zamudio Rama and guys you can find me all the time at Double G on TV and we'll be back next week